Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Feminism, 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 feminism ruins everything. It's a feminist podcast. Hello and welcome to Feminism Ruins Everything. We are the feminist podcast where we give critiques to movies, musicals, and pop culture phenomena... And potentially ruin them. Potentially. We would like to acknowledge that we are recording today's podcast on stolen Ghana land. We would like to pay our respects to all elders, past, present, and emerging, and just want to acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. We are very excited because today, this is our first episode uh, on a brand new, well, it's not brand new, it's new to us. Um, we've just joined a podcast network. Yay! Which is very cool. Um, shout out to Lip Media. Uh, we love you. <laughs> Thank um, <laughs> Thanks so much for having us. Uh, we're really excited to be a part of your platform. Absolutely. So um, Lit Media is based out of Melbourne and they are a podcast network of podcasts predominantly um, run and hosted and about issues pertaining to women and the queer community. And uh, feminism slots very nicely <laughs> into, into both of those categories. So yeah, thank you so much for having us, Lip Media. We're really happy to be here. We should note that because we are now part of a podcast network, you're going to start hearing ads on the podcast where mm. you might have become accustomed to not hearing ads before. Uh, so that's new and fun and exciting. <laughs> um, we have made a pretty concerted effort that the ads that you'll hear will be in line with the values of the podcast mm. and uh, that industries that we don't want to promote won't have their ads aired here. But if you hear something and you're like, I'm not sure Mim and Ellis would endorse X product, just hit us up, let us know, and we'll um, we'll see to it. We'll get that sorted. Yeah. I'm, I'm also really disappointed that they're just like shoving ads in like they're not getting us to read ads because oh. I was so excited to be like, hey Mim, have you ever had this problem? Because <laughs> I think that's really funny. Also, if you are somebody who would prefer to avoid the ads and you want to listen to us ad free, uh, become a patron because then uh, on Patreon we'll be uploading the episodes without the ads, and so that's uh, you can listen to it there because like you've already paid to be a patron so you don't need to pay in the ad listens yeah exactly you know? like i use my patreon app to listen to podcasts all the time it's it's pretty good you can download them onto your phone okay this feels like it's a like a sponsored ad for patreon <laughs> but it isn't <laughs> but it isn't can you imagine how well we'll sell your stuff if you're paying us to do it ah. <laughs> speaking of paid ads uh, we are doing some live shows. Hell yeah, we are! Uh, if you're in Adelaide at the end of October, uh, congratulations. Uh, but <laughs> we, we are going to be doing two live podcast recordings on the 24th and the 30th of October at Star Theatres as part of the Back to Back Festival. We are going to be discussing uh, the film Frozen, uh, which you might have heard of, or at least you've heard Let It Go oh, a million, billion times. V vaguely rings a bell, yeah. And a little tiny indie TV show called Friends, which I don't think dominated the 90s in any way, shape, Absolutely or form whatsoever. Not. No, uh, so especially not 
Jennifer Aniston's haircut. No. No. That no cultural significance. Not at all. Not even once. Uh, so if you if you want to come and uh, see us do our thing live and yeah. be a part of the show, we're going to make it as interactive as possible whilst also being COVID safe. Absolutely. Uh, please uh, come along. Go to the, the Star Theatre's website or the Back to Back Festival website or just check our description because we'll put all the information there. We will. All right. On with the podcast. What are we discussing today, Ellis? We're discussing High School Musical. Who says you have to let it go. <laughs> That's the lyric from one of the songs in the third movie. High School Musical. Who says you have to let it go. <laughs> did this, this song not have as much significance to your high school years as it did mine? It didn't, because I've come really late to High School Musical. I only saw it in the last couple of years when my, my partner at the time showed me them and I went into it with as much kind of like incredulousness mm. as Reasonable. you'd expect yeah. from from somebody who was too cool for High School Musical when they came out and I actually had a really enjoyable time mm. I think they're very fun movies yeah I was too cool for them at the time but in a at the time that I watched them but in a different way because I was 12 <laughs> when the first High School Musical came out and I was like <laughs> I don't, I don't like High School Musical, of course, of course not. I loved it. I loved High School Musical, <laughs> absolutely. But you'd never tell anybody. Absolutely not. Um, High School Musical was amazing. <laughs> and it's interesting because we've talked about quite a few, like, 90s movies over mm. the course of the podcast. And while we have a sense of nostalgia attached to them, they're really not our era because we were children and like yeah. I was five years old when the 90s finished um whereas like mid 2000s mid noughties music f- theater film like this is this is right in my like mm. tween age years and I'm so nostalgic for high school musical <laughs> and also just everything that you see portrayed like the the flip phones and the really oh, flip phones. and the really bad sequined hats I'm like I lived this <laughs> <laughs> this was life yeah also, please note that we're just going to talk about the first movie today because, you know, there's a whole episode's worth of content in both the second and the third ones as well. So uh, we're going to save those for a later date. Mm-hmm. Today we're mm-hmm. just focusing on High School Musical 1, the OG, the, you know, the, the made-for-TV musical that changed the world. <laughs> you can quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the world was changed by the release of this musical. This is correct. Yeah. Also, and just, like, brought Zac Efron to us. Yes! Thank you, High School Musical. Oh, Zephron. I saw a thing the other day that was like, why is Zac Efron, like, the perfect embodiment of every guy that I have crushed on at every age? Because I think he's only, like, a few years older than I am. And so, Mm. like, every, every era he's, like... The 2000s heartthrob, and then he's like the 2010s heartthrob, and now he continues to be the 2020s heartthrob. I think it's just because he's, you know, conventionally handsome and probably like follows fashion trends. That's probably like, why. But I still love <laughs> that's him. That's probably it. Yeah. Look, I, I think Zac Efron is an, in a really good performer, and he, he shines mm. quite a bit in this film. It's not him singing in this one. Disappointing. He starts singing in the later ones. Um, because he can sing. He can sing. He's a good singer. He's a good performer. He's a good dancer. He 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 sells this. Mm. Um, all right, Mim. Let's start. You you had some uh, issues with <laughs> uh, the believability of this Disney musical made for TV aimed at 
12-year-old men. Mm. So this has nothing to do with feminism. I'm going to say that from the <laughs> get-go. Uh, this is more to do with me being a, um, a bit of a music theatre geek. Um, I want to start this robust feminist discussion with Mim's top five suspend your disbelief moments that have mostly come from the fact that I was just sitting there re-watching it like being an absolute cynical bitch about like <laughs> most things. Um, all right, we're going to go chronologically because that's the order in which I wrote them down because I watched the film. You'll be surprised to know from start to finish. All right. As Sus- opposed to me, I watched it in reverse and in French. Oh. Mm. Number one, suspend your disbelief moment. At the very start, we see Troy and Gabriella randomly picked in this, you know, ski lodge children's New Year's Eve party. They get to sing some karaoke. Um, And what I want to know is, are we supposed to believe that this song that we're singing is like a pop song that they know from this universe that's been popularized? Uh, Or have they never heard this song before and they're reading it off of the karaoke lyrics that have the slidey color to tell you where you're up to because in that case there's no way there's no way that you could just read it and be like yes i know the melody no worries unless you like you're just coming up with it on the spot very innate musical geniuses yeah but then they like start harmonizing so there's i know i'm just being a cynical bitch i did some research about this and it turns out that you're watching a musical And that things like this just happen <laughs> in a musical. Yes, but there's a difference between... I always get these two mixed up, but like diegetic and non-diegetic songs mm-hmm. in a musical. Which one is this, Ellis? So, uh, so diegetic uh, music in a film is something that is happening in right. the universe of yeah. the film. So, if, for example, if a person gets up at karaoke and starts singing... I.e. in that's, this song. I.e. this song. It's diegetic. That's diegetic. Because the characters are actually singing mm-hmm. it's not just a you know creative device to let yes. us know what they're thinking which is non-diegetic non, yeah. non-diegetic is when it's like a creative uh, device it's not actually happening in the world so that's like a lot of like score in movies mm. uh, particularly it's just kind of like happening that's non-diegetic uh, or the sequence uh, "Get Your Head in the Game" when they're they're basketball practicing, they're not actually singing and dancing there. That's just representative of of Troy's inner turmoil. Mm. But this song is diegetic, so we're meant to believe that they are actually singing it. Like, if we could suspend our disbelief more, if you know they met and they were like, "Wow, this guy's incredible," and then they were like, "Oh, it's the start of something new." But no, ha- non-singers just randomly whipping out harmonies. My disbelief must be suspended. Um, again, I'm just being a cynical bitch. Um, <laughs> second point of disbelief suspension. Question, is this going to be similar to the first point? No, but there's another one that will be similar <laughs> to that um, Why would leads in a musical have to audition in pairs? Oh, yeah, this is an odd one. That's stupid. And it's, it's entirely a plot device that Troy and Gabriella need one another. But there is no way that you'd be like, yes, in a high school musical, you must find somebody equally as talented as you to be eligible to audition for the (laughs) lead role. Like, no, let people do their solo auditions, pick the best people from the solo auditions and pair them up. It's stupid. It's just a a plot device. Yeah, that that one doesn't make sense. But but then you get the wonderful singing between the two Mm. of them. Um, this is this is my second point that is very similar to the first point. 
uh, suspended disbelief moment number three. There is no way that Troy Bolton, who has never sung before and has no musical training, can just like be given the sheet music <laughs> of um, oh, what's the song? The first one that they sing with Kelsey. It's not breaking free. No, it's um, it's hard to believe that I couldn't see that one. Um, there is no way that he would be given the sheet music and be like, "Yeah, sick." Beside I know me. it. I think it's called what um, I've been looking what I've been for. Looking for. And unpopular opinion, I think that the up tempo version is better. Sue me. I mean, it has. It does involve Ryan, mm. so anything involving Ryan in this film is automatically made better. Like, I, I completely agree with you, but I find that really funny because that's something that they did a lot on Glee, where they'll just, like, thrust a bit of sheet music at a character who obviously doesn't know how to read sheet music, and they'll kind of, like, just keep glancing at it and being like, oh, no, I can sing this perfectly. And I find it really funny and kind of endearing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just sitting there going, that's not... No, that's Abs- not how that works. Absolutely not. Uh, another moment of absolutely not, you're not a trained singer, this is not viable. The fact that the top note for the guy in Breaking Free is a B-flat, just consistently. <laughs> is that is that high? Shut up, Ellis. <laughs> we don't all have, you know, high belt rock voices. <laughs> it's all I have, Mim. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, for anyone, for context, like... A B-flat is like the top note in Waving Through a Window. There is no way that somebody who's like never sung before, has no training, is in high school, so ha- would only have recently had their voice broken, is just going to be like, yeah, sick, no worries. Here, here are my consistent belted B-flats. No worries. Mim, I have a feeling that you're just not <laughs> swept away in the magic of the musical. Maybe maybe that is true. Which, but the thing is, which is surprising, considering how we met. Because I was, as a kid... So, like, I was, you know, all engrossed in it as a child. And so I've already had the magic of High School Musical. So now watching it as an adult, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to be cynical. I still love it. I still had the best time. But there was just a bunch of things. I was like, ah. One more. One more. Okay. And then I'll stop. Then we can actually get into robust feminist discussion. Um, the f- <laughs> this is probably my favorite thing. In Stick to the Status Quo, the cello guy. Not playing the cello at all. Not even that. The fact that you see him playing the cello and the instrument that you hear doing that is a guitar. (laughs) It's an electric guitar. (laughs) And you see him playing the cello. (laughs) No, that's not what that instrument sounds like. My my favourite thing about that is that that group of kids were so obviously supposed to be stoners, mm. but they couldn't say that, so they're like skaters. Skater dudes. Even though they are all acting incredibly high yeah. the entire time. Awesome. What's what is that? it? Uh, so I used to work in a performing arts school. Um, I loved it. And one of the one of the classes that I taught, we did stick to the status quo as a um, as a showcase number. Mm-hmm. The kids that we put into the group that were the skater dudes, like kept like acting really high and like being like, oh yeah, we're the stoners. And then like, we'd be like, okay guys, so like when it's not your group singing, just like be in the background, like just doing some business. And these kids were like miming, smoking a joint. And I was like, no! No, it's very funny, but I don't, want your, I don't want your parents to think I told you to do this. This is improv. A 
Officially, I cannot condone this. However, great job. I love, um, love the realism that you're bringing to it. Uh, I'm going to ask you to tone it down a little bit. It was very... At least pretend to hide it like you actually would in high school. Yeah, exactly. No one's in the cafeteria smoking a joint. (laughs) One more more thing. Re... Uh, drug use and high school musical um funny you know universes collide um my favorite thing is the fact that this movie is set in albuquerque new mexico uh which is the same place that breaking bad is set (laughs) (laughs) so like you know they're like down the road like auditioning for twinkle town the um spring musical oh no yeah it's twinkle town spring musical is it spring yeah yeah, because they've just come oh, back no, from... Oh, no, no, it isn't. Well, no, they've just come back from winter break. So, so yeah, it'd be spring, it's spring, it'd be spring. yes. Um, but, yeah, like, just down the road, Walter White is just, you know, cooking up some meth. Maybe maybe that's where, why the stoners are high. Uh, I hope that the kids aren't on meth in high school. I, I would hope not. Yeah. But maybe one of the skater kids grows up to be Jesse. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe Walter White is, like, teaching chemistry at East High School. <laughs> Can somebody cut that together for us, please? <laughs> I'm sure just it's like, been done. <laughs> just like Walter White teaching and then cut to Zac Efron reacting or something yeah. like that. That'd be really cute. All right, so feminism. You know, the whole shtick of our podcast, the, the <laughs> thing that we get on every week to talk about. Let's talk about it. So there are some very strong women in this film. I think the, the, there are four main female characters. We've got Gabriella. Uh, we've got Taylor, we've got Sharpay, and we've got Kelsey. All of them have quite robust personalities. Don't forget Miss Darbus. <clears throat> we also have Miss Darbus. I love her. I, oh, I don't know how I feel about her. She's just... I don't like the fact that just because she's a bit of an eccentric woman, everyone, like, completely writes her off. Yeah, I don't like that. That feels a bit, that feels a bit icky and gendered. I, I just don't like how... I feel like she doesn't treat the students well at times. Like, there are the moments where like you have the bad audition montage and she's, like, cutting them down deservedly. Mm. And I think that's great. But then other times she's just, like, a bit of a dick for no reason. Like, like Troy and Gabriella, like, show up a couple of minutes late to their audition and she's like, there is no way you could possibly audition for me now. When I'm like, if you were a high school teacher putting on a musical, you'd be like, oh my God, thank God there are more students. More boys. Mm. More boys auditioning. Because we have one. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, he is the best. Yeah. It is Ryan. We're going to go on a whole rant about Ryan, aren't we? (laughs) But I like that there there are many kind of diverse female characters in this film. They all have like clear personalities they all have clear goals and wants and i think that's really cool like to the extent that a disney made for tv musical has their characters have depth i think they're quite good and robust yeah um i think it is really cool that pretty much all of our leading women are portrayed as being really intelligent Mm. um i mean granted yes they're absolutely lumped in like the brainiacs in inverted commas group Mm. and so that kind of like writes them off from a social standpoint at least but um you know gabriella is our heroine and you know she's the character that kids watching this movie look up to and she's really smart yeah um as is taylor as Mm. is kelsey kelsey wrote a whole freaking musical Mm. kelsey and even sharpay you can see that she's like 
quite talented. She's, she's very driven. She's very driven. She's cutthroat. She, she knows what she wants, and she's going to get it. And I'm like, you know what? Good for you. Mm. Good for you. Go, go get it. Yeah. Um, growing up, watching this movie, I thought I was Sharpay. Turns out I'm actually Miss Darvis. <laughs> <laughs> I just re- like the kooky drama teacher. I just relate to her so much. Yeah. It's just you. It's me. Just you all over. Yeah. <laughs> like when she's responding to some of the, the auditions, I'm like, I've said that on a panel. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I want to talk about the toxic masculinity presented in this film because yeah. I think this is probably where the bulk of my feminist critique lies. Mm. The fact that there is this shame and stigma attached to boys singing and performing mm. in this movie. Um, and look, I do think that it is critiqued but I kind of want to dive into the depths of how deep this toxic masculinity runs before we talk about how it, to some degree, is kind of absolved because the point of the film is to say that we shouldn't discourage people from doing what they love. Yeah. Like, it kind of very quickly sets up this idea that, like, boys play sports, and that immediately kind of alienates a a vast population because here's here's a shocking revelation not all guys enjoy sports hello Ella Stolen nice (laughs) to meet you and as somebody who kind of grew up uh like I I'm originally from Scotland very sports heavy there you either support a football team or you're dead what about Uh, rugby or rugby but I like that I know more about the sports in your home country than you do that's very offensive can you please (laughs) (laughs) No, like like rugby is a thing, but it's it's football or die. Okay. okay. Like that's that's just kind of how it is. Uh, and then I moved to Australia, which has, let's face it, the same mentality. Yeah, football will die. Yeah, like coming to Adelaide, it was like, do you support Power or the Crows? And I'm like, uh, Sondheim. And <laughs> and they're like, that word has too many syllables in it. We're gonna beat you with sticks. Sondheim, um, see. <laughs> and and so. So for the movie to kind of like front up this thing of like, you know, guys play sports and to have that challenged but not really critiqued, mm. I think is, is the interesting thing. Because yeah. they, the, they all come to the re- realisation that people should do whatever they want and yeah. they could do the thing that, they, that makes them happy and, and speaks to who they are, but it doesn't critique the kind of all-encompassing men play sports yeah. kind of mentality that I think a lot of people have. Mm. I think that the toxic masculinity in this film is very much embodied by the dad. Yeah. Um, Coach Bolton. Does he have a first name? Probably. Troy's dad. And um, Chad. Chad is the worst. Chad is the worst. Uh, so we see it like in different ways. Like the fact that um, Troy's dad, he's having his son trying to open up to him about something he's like dad what would what would you do if like all of your friends wanted you to um do one thing but you kind of you kind of want to do something else and he was like oh what you mean you mean go left in this play <laughs> like no like your son is trying to open up to you and you are just kind of portraying like putting on him mm-hmm. your own expectations like kind of literally reinforcing the thing that he's trying to talk to you about breaking down I've, um, I've got a couple of quotes that Troy says uh, 
two are about his dad. The first one is where he's trying to have that conversation with him. And he says, Dad, you ever wanted to try something new, but were scared of what your friends would think? Mm. And the dad completely, like, blows him off and is just like, sports? Uh, And then then later, uh, Troy's scared to to tell his dad about the singing. He's like, I don't know what he's going to do when he finds out about the singing. Mm. Uh, And then later, uh, he's having a conversation with his dad where his father's like, you're a playmaker, not a singer. And Troy's like, you ever think that maybe I could be both? Mm. And that idea doesn't cross his mind at all until the end of the film where he sees his son performing. And even then, he doesn't really do anything with it because immediately afterwards Troy goes and he wins the big basketball game and and that's kind of that there isn't a a moment where his dad goes actually I'm really sorry that I mm. imposed there's this no, toxic view yeah there's no redemption you. arc there yeah yeah um and freaking Chad <laughs> who is constantly like ooh singing ooh dancing um, oh, you might have to wear a leotard. Um, Makeup. Yeah. Um, he says something to the effect of like, oh, you know, um, oh, theatre, not essential to culture. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> excuse me? You sound like Australian politicians. Oh, literally. The whole um, the whole conversation between uh, Miss Darvis and Coach Bolton about whether or not it was more important that... Uh, the students were like helping the drama department or going to their basketball, basketball training, practice. and um, the fact that it's like coming to a head, and the principal's like, "Oh, sort it out between yourselves." And it's like, "Oh, coach, uh, how, how are we looking for the game next week?" And it's like, "Oh, if this is not, <laughs> if this is not the Australian Parliament and Australian policymakers in response to how, yeah, in response to addressing the needs of the arts in comparison to." the needs of like the AFL Mm. it's it's ridiculous like the fact that AFL has been able to happen because so many exceptions have been made and so much money has been thrown its way because people need sports but like nobody needs arts arts. non-essential I just wonder how many of those politicians like cut all funding to the arts and then listen to the radio on the way home and read a book before bed or watch Watch Netflix Netflix with their families and they're like, yeah, the arts don't impact my life in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. Disgusting. No. That's a little bit like High School Musical, mm. where the arts is severely underappreciated in favor of sports. Like, like, I don't get sports myself, but I get that a lot of people like it, and a lot of people get the same pleasure out of sports that I get out of musicals, for mm. example. And I don't want to take that away from anyone. I just want people to understand that there are other ways of expressing yourself and other ways of of getting that same feeling and that we shouldn't really discount one for the other to the extent that the arts is discounted for sports. Mm. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So following, following on from that, the arc that we see is that um, Troy and Gabriella's friend groups each try to like box them in and go, no, this is the one thing that you do by like setting up this very manipulative situation mm. where they bait Troy into saying all this stuff about how he doesn't want to sing and he doesn't care about Gabriella, etc. And then they just so happen to like live stream it at the same time that Taylor is like playing it to Gabriella. Um, which is another suspension of disbelief moment. <laughs> that the fact that actually the timing worked. But um, I think that this is such a moment of um, complete manipulation mm. that is not um, that no one takes accountability for. Everyone's like, "Oh, I'm sorry that happened. Uh, you can sing if you want. No worries." Not, "Oh, I'm really sorry that we baited you into this really manipulative yeah. situation. It was really." Awful. Like, yeah. There's no comeuppance no. for the people who are being very toxic and close-minded. Mm. And what, like, there, there supposedly is because they go, actually, no, it's cool that you can sing. Yeah. But they don't actually do anything to kind of make amends for the manipulation. No. That they put their friends through. Yeah. And... There, it does get to the point where, you know, they're supporting them and they're trying to let them just be themselves and, and thrive and do all of the things that they love and they recognise that people are multifaceted and can have multiple interests and be good at multiple <laughs> things. Um, but that just sort of seems to happen in a, in a flash and mm. in just, like, this complete, like, shift moment and then everything from beforehand is absolved? And I'm like, yeah. no, 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 you were really manipulative. And also, Chad... You've got some real toxic masculinity that you need to address mm -hmm. and atone for because, um, yeah, he also says something to the effect of like, oh, I don't, I don't um, attempt to understand the female mind. Like, just some real misogyny vibes from yeah. Chad. Um, yeah. Yeah. But again, I do think that you you need to see all of the really clear boxes that everyone has been stuffed into in order to see that breakdown and see how everyone is better for it. Mm. Um, but I don't think that there's enough of a redemption arc for the the lengths that people went to prior to try and keep everyone in those boxes. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Um, speaking of people bursting out of their boxes and doing things that aren't applicable to whatever group they belong to, stick to the status quo... Is such a good such song. a good piece of music theater writing. Absolutely phenomenal. It's so good, it. and also highlights one of the few examples of really positive masculinity mm, in the film. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Zeke. Zeke, who bakes. Oh, and like he likes to bake. He kind of like he doesn't do much in the first half of the movie, and then status quo happens, and he's like, "Hey, I like to bake, and I play sports." Yeah. and then the rest of the movie, he's just kind of like offering people baked goods 
And that's kind of all he does. But, oh, my God, it warms my heart so much. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's so lovely. And, I mean, like, there's a lot of, like, body positivity in that song. Uh, and and a lot of a lot of people coming out, essentially. Mm. Which kind of leads to my big takeaway from the movie. Yeah. I saw, not too long ago, a... Uh, I think it was on Twitter, somebody saying it's really brave of High School Musical to tell a queer coming out story through the guise of a straight relationship. (laughs) And as soon as I heard that, I couldn't unhear it while I watched this film. And so I'm like, okay, how does this hold up from the perspective of a queer coming out story? Turns out really ridiculously well. (laughs) Because if you read uh, musical theatre as a metaphor for being queer which is very apt which is very apt we're a very queer industry (laughs) (laughs) you then have all the conversations where Troy's with his dad going like hey have you ever tried something new but you're worried about what your friends would think or Gabriella asking did you ever feel like there was this whole other person inside you just waiting to come out and then suddenly the only way that the two of them can be happy with themselves Is to embrace, to embrace that, part of, that part of them. Oh, it's it's a it's a perfect metaphor, isn't it? It's it's a perfect metaphor, and it also kind of like it is enhanced by the idea that it's not like they reject their past interests entirely. It's not that Troy goes, "I I used to play sports, but now I do musicals." It's mm. like, well, I I I play sports because I enjoy it, but I also like musicals mm. because. That's what happens. Yeah, people are multifaceted. Exactly. And even if we don't read it as a queer coming out story, which I love, <laughs> um, even just at face value, hmm. the the overriding message that you should be able to do whatever makes you happy, mm. regardless of what societal expectations are put on you and regardless of what boxes people try to fit you into you should be able to do what you want. Like that's a beautiful takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. But I, think, I really stand for it. But I think the 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 queer coming out narrative also kind of like compounds a lot of the elements of toxic masculinity that we were just discussing. Mm. For example, if you read musicals as being queer, then all of Chad's hating of musicals mm. becomes deeply entrenched toxic homophobia. Yeah. And it is oh. Yeah. And like we've said on this podcast before Toxic masculinity and queer phobia are like go hand in hand. Mm. There is so much overlap because you know a lot of um, what toxic masculinity will profess is like, oh, you can't do this thing because it's girly and it'll make you gay. Yeah, like so it's you know it's misogynistic and it's queer phobic. Mm-hmm. So you know, hand in hand. It's a perfect metaphor. It's a perfect metaphor. It's a perfect yeah. metaphor, and I can't, I can't unsee it. I, as far as I'm aware, that's what the movie is about. <laughs> Speaking of queer representation, I want to talk about Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Ryan deserves better. Ryan deserves better than to not have his own queer arc. <laughs> because, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, LeFou in... Live action Beauty and the Beast, first gay character. No, 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 no. 2006. <laughs> Ryan, high school musical. <laughs> no way he isn't queer. No, that's, that, is, that is a gay man. Uh, I read somewhere that the director, Kenny Ortega, who is in fact uh, an openly gay man, uh, said that he fully intended Ryan to be queer and just felt that he, would, he didn't feel like he would be able to 
get away with presenting that in High School Musical at the time. Damn it, Disney! Like, it's Ugh! so upsetting. The fact that he takes Kelsey to the prom in the third movie just feels like they're like, well, we've got to pair all the girls up with guys yeah. and vice versa. And it's just... Heteronormativity everywhere. Which is my new single. Which is really upsetting to see in this obviously queer coming out story. <laughs> uh, Ryan's the best, though. He's like... Even though I thought Zac Efron did a great job in the audition, I would have cast Ryan. Mm. He just has the pizzazz. Oh, so much pizzazz. I love him. He's so good. Yeah. I want to talk about the... Kind of speaking of pairing off of the couples, um, one couple for whom that happens is Chad, who is the worst, and Taylor. So it's kind of like, you know, Troy's right-hand man and Gabriella's best friend, they, like, couple off, because how convenient. Mm. Um, But also, it feels like a very convenient, like, oh, we'll just throw the black best friends together. (laughs) Like, I, I feel like, in addition to being the embodiment of toxic masculinity, Chad also is like very much like fulfills the the black best friend trope like his his mm. character arc for all of the movie is just i am here to prop up troy like mm-hmm. i am troy's number one fan everything's about troy he's obsessed with troy yeah yeah we don't really know like he wants to play basketball and that's about yeah. it yeah he wants to play basketball and he wants to support troy and he wants to stick to the status quo <laughs> like not, not then, quite a character arc, is it? But then he reneges on his wanting to stick to the status quo really, really quickly. Yeah, because he realizes that that's what Troy wants. And <laughs> he wants what's best for Troy. Yeah. Because everything's about Troy. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, Chad and Taylor, they have like a couple of scenes together, but they don't have a lot. And from my opinion, them just pairing up kind of comes out of nowhere in a just put them together and it'll be fine. And I'm like, come on, guys, you're better than this. Mm. It's so much build up with some other couples that it like makes sense, and then this one, you're just like, uh, they can say a line at the end, and and they're dating. Yeah. Oh. It makes me mad that we don't have any like decent queer story arcs, mm. but you get so many bullshit straight ones. Yeah. <laughs> Where. <laughs> That said, when Disney did try to do like a quick, oh, we'll just pair up two queer people together, it was the end of Beauty and the Beast, the mm. live action remake, yeah. and that was not good. That was mm. not that was not nearly enough. Uh, so maybe maybe we just don't like rushed last minute pairing characters together. Yeah, just as you and I don't like the trope of we sing one ballad and then we're in love, we also don't like the convenient oh, let's just pair them all up at the end. Yeah, it's not, not good storytelling. <sighs> no. Ellis, does High School Musical pass the Bechdel test? Yeah. There are multiple conversations between um, Gabriella and Taylor about the... the Scholastic math- decathlon. Scholastic decathlon. <laughs> I kept wanting to call it mathletes as well. I was like, no, <laughs> that's, that's a different girls. thing. Uh, there's lots of that. We also have um, conversations between Sharpay and Kelsey about who's <laughs> really in charge. Yeah. And... She's done 17 musicals, mm. and how many has Kelsey written? Yeah, but also, 
it mm, like learning all of your material and presenting all of your material in a musical sure that's one thing literally writing the entirety of a show <laughs> that ah, that's like that amount of work will probably like account for how much work Sharpay did for at least like five of those roles <laughs> that she portrayed Kelsey is probably the film's most underrated badass. She is such a cool character and just has a great attitude about her and is quite clearly a talented songwriter. Mm. Um, she's, she's great. Wrote some serious bops. She, she did. Bop, like, bop, bop. The best bop to the top. songs in the show she wrote. And the trash ones she did not write. <laughs> Looking at you. <clears throat> I'm standing here, but all I want is to be over there. Seriously? That's a, that's a lyric that, that Kelsey that didn't write it. it. No, Therefore, but Kelsey didn't write it. So, no, so it's not that great. Yeah, but Kelsey wrote the absolute iconic bop that is Breaking <laughs> Free. Absolute tune. Mim, are we going to rate or ruin High School Musical? I... I think I kind of rate it, to be honest. Okay. okay. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely you know more on the fence it's not it's not clear cut to me but i do think that the fact that the overarching message is be who you want to be despite what the world wants you to be mm. is um you know i i think that that is one of the one of the core values of the feminist movement and here we definitely see it um being more broadly applicable beyond you know the feminist narrative mm. but um, I do think that that's a value that is really important to be expressed. Um, I think that on the most part, the toxic masculinity is set up to then be critiqued. I don't think it's critiqued enough, but um, we do definitely see that that's something that people um, overcome or work past at least. Mm. Um, and I think that we have a lot of strong female leads who are presented as being very intelligent yeah. and um, the fact that, you know, they can be, they can be intelligent and talented and have strong interpersonal relationships. Um, I think that that's something that is actually a little bit sparse, especially in, um, you know, movies that are targeted at, at kids and teenagers. Like mm. the fact that you see strong women that are, that excel in multiple fields, I think this movie kind of feels what feels like a bit of a deficit in that regard. Mm. Oh, one thing that we haven't mentioned that I really like is the fact that um, Sharpay doesn't want Gabriella to be in the musical, but she also kind of doesn't want Troy to be the lead as well. No, I can phrase that better. One thing that I like is that there's a little bit of Sharpay versus Gabriella in terms of who's going to be in the musical, mm. but it's not like who's going to date Troy. Because Sharpay yeah. obviously likes Troy and wants him to be in the musical, but she's very clear as like, I want you to be in the musical, but in a supporting role, yeah. supporting me. Yeah. And the fact that he and Gabriella are auditioning together, the threat doesn't become, oh, Gabriella's going to get my man. It's Gabriella's going to get my part. <laughs> and I cannot abide that. And I love that that is her conflict and not in a kind of, oh, I wish the boy would notice me. Yeah. Kind of 
Yeah, it's very much not a we're fighting over a man. It's mm. we're fighting over a career opportunity, <laughs> which feels a lot more feminist yeah. in my eyes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not condoning Sharpay's actions. She's, she's manipulative, but God, she's driven. <laughs> you got to respect it. You've got to re- respect the Got to respect the hustle. Yeah. <laughs> Ellis, if our friends who are listening also have opinions about High School Musical, number one, uh, and its feminist values, uh, how can they get in touch to tell us about them? So you're saying that people should send us their opinions? Uh, yeah. That are different? Yes. No, 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 no. Stick to the stuff you know. But if you do have differing opinions and you want to break the status quo, please get in touch with us on Facebook. We are Feminism Ruins Everything dash It's a Feminist Podcast. Sure is. Or go on Instagram at Feminism Ruins Everything Pod. Or if you would like to support us financially or hear these episodes without ads, uh, now that we're on Lip Media, again, thank you, Lip. Um, Love you, Lip. Uh, consider supporting us on Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com slash feminism ruins everything pod. Subscribe to us wherever you're listening from so you can be notified every Friday we put out a new episode. Uh, tell your friends. Leave a review. Yeah. That'd and, be great. And go watch High School Musical. I like. I came to them late and I'm getting a lot of enjoyment out of them. It's like they're, they're just like nice, wholesome movies. Mm. It's good shit. <laughs> All right, bye, friends. Have a good weekend. Take care. Feminism ruins everything. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.